Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To a Wildcat Insider on KMAN, Mitch Fortner, the Hall of Fame voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, is at my 1 o'clock. Travion Berklin running the board is at my 11 across the glass. 785-537 is the phone number to call. Later in the hour, we'll get to your questions on social media. You can tweet me at Mitch the Fort or tweet the show at the game KMAN, and we'll get to them uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, still want to talk Batcats coming up later in this hour. Uh... Plus, maybe a little sneak peek. What's to come in 2023-24, not just men's basketball and football. Women's basketball destined to have a big year this upcoming season as well. As we get to some hoops here, I just want to point out that uh, David Castillo, who is a, depending on where you look, ESPN has him as a five-star recruit. About everywhere else has him as a four-star recruit. But he is a top 40 player in the country, 6-1 shooting guard from Bartlesville, Oklahoma. He is going to announce his commitment tomorrow at 3 o'clock. A lot of the experts say, uh, and I say experts, like you know, a lot of people that maybe have a source in on the decision, says he's going to pick K-State. He also is considering uh, KU and Oklahoma State. I'm just going to say right now. If K-State gets the win over Kansas for a five-star kid, might be some melting down over in Lawrence. <laughs> well, he is a really, really talented young young athlete, no question about that. Um, again, the decision, 3 o'clock tomorrow, we'll all probably be uh, anxious as the minutes tick up till, our, till 3 o'clock, right? I mean, this, this, is, uh, whew, this would be a big one. Yeah, I mean, this would be a huge, huge start for the class of 2024. As Drum Tang has said it before, it's like, to him, this is, you know, Kleiman gets a quarterback every class. Tang wants a point guard every class. Well, that would fit that need as a point guard. Very talented guy. He is a scorer and plus plays for Clint Stewart. Yeah. Former Wildcat, who uh, they they both visited together for a game earlier this year. And I remember in pregame, the uh, students, of course, I don't, I don't remember which game it was, but the students were packed while he was watching there on the sideline, the far side, so close, I say far sideline, as in far side from the scores table, where I would sit and you would sit as well. He's leaning against the uh, far side, what's kind of like a scores table, and the fans start chanting his name. <laughs> that was like, all right. They noticed that a big-time recruit's in the building. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so that, yes, obviously – if it does go K-State's way, a huge get. Huge get. I was not permitted uh, uh, to visit with the athlete, of course, because of my place at, at K-State Athletics. 
but I did talk and, and visit, uh, had a really nice chat with Clint Stewart, who still to this day is one of my favorite young guys, um, terrific young man, um, great human being. Uh, he glowingly talks about this this player. So uh, I'm, I'm anxious uh, for both of them. He, he, he talked about how this, this kid's just been so genuine and so rock solid f- from the time he was, I think he said, fourth grade <laughs> when he first met him. So uh, it'll be a big day for both of those guys tomorrow. Meanwhile, this past weekend, Max Asmus from Oral Roberts was in town visiting. Uh, got a late start to that visit because of the weather that we got Friday night. We had severe weather in our area until about 1130 on Friday night. So I got here a little bit late, but got to spend a day in the Little Apple Um even went to Aggieville. I was like, maybe I'll see Max down there. I can, you know, <laughs> shout some words of encouragement. Uh, now I actually met a friend down there and didn't really see anybody out there. But um, hope it was a good visit and hope he picks the cats because right now, when it comes to who's available, Jesse Edwards, by the way, was the big out of Syracuse. I was like, man, that'd be great. We get him. Actually, Huggins got him. Yeah, Huggins landed him. I was like, okay, interesting. All right, Max Ace misses the guy. In my opinion, he's my favorite right now in the portals. So, but we're we're still waiting, waiting and seeing. Meanwhile, uh, Aaron Estrada from Hofstra is going to be announcing his commitment in a little over a week, and so uh, he had Casey down to four, his final four. And I know he opted out of his visit to Florida State. So, but we'll wait and see. Sure, we'll wait and see. Meanwhile, with this being our last. Uh, Wildcat Insider for the academic year. I thought, you know, I know we've been doing this a lot lately, but I've, you know, asked a few questions just kind of looking back at the basketball season. Again, one that probably nobody thought it would go that well with it being a first-year head coach, 11 new players to the team. You know, it kind of it could have gone either direction, but when, you know, Keontae Johnson came aboard, you thought, okay, this could be an NCAA tournament team. Do you recall the time that you noticed – and it popped into your mind, okay, this team is legit. This is a really good team. Was there a game? Was there a moment going to practice? You notice, like, wow, this team is actually really, really good. Well, I would say the easy answer was after they beat West Virginia at home to start conference play in overtime in a game where they fell behind big early, that's one thing to win that one. But right after that, they went on the road and won at Texas and at Baylor. And for me personally, that would be where I think me, you, the whole college basketball front looked at K-State differently there. Because in Week 12, they were ranked fifth in the country. This was a team that was picked last in the Big 12. So that's a monumental jump. There's no doubt about that. I, I think for me, that would probably stand out as much as any. Um, they they fought through some some things this year, but man, they were. It was just so much fun to to watch them grow and get better and gain confidence and and, and fight through a, a stretch when they lost back to back at Tech in Oklahoma. Um, just an extraordinary job by <laughs> Coach Tang and that staff. The sky's the limit moment for me. Like I was leaning, saying maybe the Cayman Islands Classic, winning well, those three games. Too. That, that, that they showed that team that had fight. Like was ready to be gritty. That's I think when I noticed, you know, Marquise Noel was on another level now. Yeah. And he was gonna put a team on his back. He wanted to be the leader. He is the leader. 
And uh, man, this probably was the precursor, Mitch, to what I was talking about. And, yeah. and here's why. As it turned out, those two teams that K-State beat in games two and three at the, in that tournament probably didn't necessarily end up, well, I'll say that Nevada had a really nice year. They, they did. They did. But, but for LSU, it turned out to be a little bit of a, a bummer year for them with, with a first-year head coach, but they were talented. And, and I, you described it. That, I mean, we've talked about this before, but to win two hard games like that, they were so focused on winning that tournament. And they played with great effort, and they were good late in both games to pull it out. So I, I can certainly understand why you would pick that. And I, I'll never forget, you know, when they waved off the basket. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, they, they were looking at it. And, and it, I don't want to be critical in any way, shape, or form, but, you know, we were in the Grand Cayman, so some of the setup was a little bit antiquated compared to what you'd get at Bramlage or, you know, someplace like that. But I remember looking over my left shoulder, and there was a guy up up at the top of, of this gymnasium. It wasn't a coliseum. It was a gymnasium. And he had it on his video, and he was waving his arms back and forth like it's not going to count. And and, uh, <laughs> and shortly after that, the officials got the stopwatch out and and waved it off, and, and K-State won the game. And it, it was it was. That was that was such a special moment. But my game, I think the the sky's the limit game. I knew this team was absolutely legit, going to be really good. I got to go with the Baylor win in Waco. That was, was a, a that was an emotional game, really. I mean, Drum Tank makes his return to Waco. It's early in the conference slate. Nobody played defense in the Texas game. You know, one sixteen to whatever it was, and you know, you set the record in all time points in a game. I was like, this one's going to be tougher because. I just felt the time like you know Baylor had more scores uh, was was just going to be really tough to go beat, especially after winning a Texas. Can you win two in a row like that on the road? That'd be really tough. Game goes overtime, and then you know Ish Masood hitting that three after having a really down month, yeah, was gigantic. I think that turned around his year, hitting the game winning shot to get that one out. I was. Winning two games in a row like that, I was like, okay, you know, I've done this, this team's legit. I've done this a long time, and this may sound a little strange saying it like this. Uh, seeing a lot of basketball, there are just some shots occasionally where your angle is what you would describe as there's no such thing as perfect, but virtually perfect. <clears throat> and I remember watching that shot leave his fingertips and thinking to myself, that's in. And if you go back and watch it, I, I even had a couple of people say this to me. I had to watch it, rewatch it, because the the net hardly moved. It was so pure, and and they're right. That was such a big shot, and and I'll always remember too. Keese getting fouled on the three point shot, mm. uh, and making all three free throws. Those two plays, you know, helped propel them to that win. And and as we said before, winning those two games on the road. <laughs> against though that kind of competition, uh, I think just changed the outlook for. It raised the bar in a big way. Let's say it that way. What was your favorite alley oop of the season from keys to key? Was it against Oklahoma State in the one handed jam from Keontae? Was it the KU lob that won the game in overtime? Would you go Michigan State, the reverse dunk where Marquise is, you know? Uh, you know what? It's, it's hard and yet it's not. For me, it, it's the play against Kansas. 
Okay. And only because it helped beat Kansas. That is a big deal. Um, that was such a thrilling play. The the one with OSU, I mean, it's the thing that made it stand out was just the spectacular athletic talent to catch the ball and still dunk it. But the special part two, I mean, they're all great in their own way, right? I mean, the the one with Michigan State was just off the charts because of the stage in which it was presented. Um, the <laughs> the communication, you know, the eye contact, and what everybody is, is watching on television. I'm watching right across f- from them. I mean, they're on that far right wing from me. And, and you see Marquise, you know, with the communication with coach, and then you see, you know, the turn of the head. And I, I think that's, you know, I mean, that's always going to be a real favorite play of this past season for that team, don't you think? I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just going to be special. I mean, it was a pretty big focus on um, one shining moment. Yeah. You know, the pretending to argue, telling Isaiah Thomas's friend, watch this. Like, I'm glad they got that because I had actually seen that, seen that evidence of Marquise Noel saying that until one shining moment. But I got to say, though, I think the environment, the garden, and that, and that alley-oop reverse dunk was insane. Yeah. If you really think about it, though, the, the pass and the dunk, it might have been the easiest one of the three. The Michigan State one? Yeah. Yeah, pr- probably so. Just, you know, a little bit of trickery. And I thought, you know, after the KU lob, I'm like, okay, I think they've I think they've used up the lob as a go to play for a game winning bucket because now if everybody does their homework you're going to be looking out for that. It's so easy to say that though, uh, because you know I, I've seen these guys in meetings and film sessions and so on and so forth, and you have so much going through your mind on what you are supposed to do, and so many of those guys are good players because. They know what they're supposed to do, and the guy beside them is what they're supposed to do, and and so on and so forth. And sometimes it's just circumstance. It is what it is, right? I mean, you you are thinking that you're either, let's say, hedging a little bit to the right or the the right way, and maybe as it turns out, you're maybe half a body off off target, right? I mean, the game can be that different um, where you're in football too, where you're lined up and those kind of things. I mean, that's that's the game. Those, those coaches, you know, they they get so into making players play through their weaknesses, not their strengths, or at least that's what they they hope to do. And sometimes you, all of those other things, you can't watch the lob here, watch the lob. Mm-hmm. You can't do everything right. I mean, you're just trying to guard and stay between. <laughs> and it's simple its form. Defense is what staying between the ball. The, your guy needs. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ball and the rim, and and you go go guard. But it, it it's not always that simple. The thing is, if you put the three up for a vote, I think the Oklahoma State lob would get would like finish third in the votes. I think that's one the the one I would degree pick. of difficulty though. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like yeah. uh, when it comes to your favorite alley oop of the season between Marquise and, and Keontae, I think I have to go with the Oklahoma State one because of the level of difficulty. I mean, 
Key had to get around a couple of guys. He's being hounded defensively. Sure. He's in trouble, gets around the pressure, and when he sees a sliver of, of window open, tosses it up there, I didn't think he was going to catch it. I thought it was too high. I thought the pass was just a tad bit off. Well, but then, I mean, Keontae just proved the, me wrong big time. Well, the KU pass and the Michigan State pass from the standpoint of Marquise – Hard to do a lot better than that. I would say the pass in the Oklahoma State game was not his best effort. It was more about the athleticism of the catch of Keontae and the finish. Again, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't like spot on, right on the money like the other two. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, the thing, the KU one also wasn't the biggest window either. I mean, Key didn't get his high right on the jump, and if Jalen Wilson was a half a second, a quarter of a second quicker, he might tip that ball away. Sure. If, so, if, if, though. It's the biggest word in sports, if right? That, <laughs> all three were just, they're all a little bit different and just as impressive in their own ways. Yeah, this, this team was so fun to watch on so many levels, but a lot of it, we talked early on about their length and their athleticism and with their ability to run the floor. I mean, how many dunks did we see from Naquan Tomlin and... and <laughs> Bebe and David Gasson and, and so many other. Obviously, Keontae is a, a no-brainer there. But um, th- those three are always going to stand out just because of the significance of them, I think. Well, and remember, the KU game and the Michigan State game, not only was the game-winning bucket in alley-oop from the right side from keys to key, both games also ended on the opponent having the last possession. Yes. And Marquise, with a little bit of help, not allowing a shot to get off, yeah. not allowing Michigan State or Kansas to get a shot. In the K game, it happened at the end of regulation and overtime. Right. K didn't get a shot to try to win it. That's one thing that I, I hope people remember about Marquise, and I think they will. I mean, everybody's going to remember his scoring and, and his ability on, on assists and things like that, but he was a pest defensively. Pest. I... I there are so many uh, still frame shots that you see or, you know, you see sometimes you pause the television and you, you see him guarding a guy who's 6'4", 6'5", occasionally on a switch or whatever, and you're going, wow. You know, but more times than not, he he guarded him pretty well. There were times when they scored over him on a post-up scenario in the lane. I get that, but he would fight you. Yeah, I mean, I I, I did a segment a while back. I was like, I, I I calculated all the numbers. I mean, you can argue Marquise Noel had the best individual single season in program history with all the records he broke or records that he is now in the top 10 of with this past season. I mean, I I, I said it to Gene Taylor when we had him on a couple of weeks ago, I'll make any mar- argument any day for any award for Marquise Noel. Oh, sure. Yeah, it was special. Uh, there, there's no doubt. When you, when you said that, though, I never had really thought about it like that one time like the single best performance in a single season, but it is going to rival many. And and fortunately for Kansas State, you know, over the course of many, many, many years and lots and lots of good coaches and players, there would be a lot to pick from, you know. I mean, it's just kind of what it is. I mean, you'd think back – I don't want to, you know, go and, and start talking about, you know, all the all the names and, and that. But, uh, yeah, you, you, you could always put an argument out there. Always. 
uh, I still have my I have my argument saved in my uh, oh, folder do? here. I have it ready to go at any time, and just in case I need to bring it up. But I mean, I'm not going to go over everything. Right. But we'll go for it. Give us a little bit taste. Well, I mean, set the in- single season individual record for assists and steals. Crushed it um, for for the assist. He crushed it. Second best free throw percentage. Made the uh, fifth most threes all time. Ties Denny Clemente with 88. Uh, eighth most points all time was 633. And by the way, Keontae had 627. So just barely behind. Uh, let's see here. Uh, his points and assists accounted for 48% of the scoring, which is an incredible number. So basically, you can argue 50 50. Half of the points that were scored all season long yeah. was. By, from Marquise Noel, from the help of Marquise Noel. That may be as staggering a stat as you're going to present, probably, because that, that is pretty remarkable. Let's see. I think uh, his assist-to-turnover ratio is second-best all-time from this past season. Uh, broke the minutes record. Broke Barry Brown's minutes record. That says a lot, too. <laughs> How many times did he play 37 minutes plus, as, as one example? Mm-hmm. That, that's one we ought to look up, too, because... I mean, this is a team that was 5-0 and in overtime games, too, now. They played a lot of minutes. I mean, Marquise Noel is third um, all-time in assists at K-State history. The two ahead of him played four seasons. Yeah. Marquise Noel played two. Let's see. I got a whole bunch of stuff here. Uh, let's see. What else did I not throw out there? Um, second all-time in assists in a single season in Big 12 history. Uh, was just too shy of Doug Gottlieb. Yeah, that's. He is the first player in NCAA tournament history to have 80 points, 50 assists, 10 steals in the first four games. That carries a little weight. I'm just saying, he was pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, if Mark you're going to put. Is convinced. If you're going to put somebody up there for single seasons when it comes to the rafters, sure. Michael Beasley probably put up there first. I think Marquise Noel second. Well, yeah, you 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 again, I will caution you. They've been doing this here a long time and there've been yeah. other special quality quality seasons. Um but yeah, it's it was remarkable. And and I I think a large part again that 48% really plays with me because this was a team that won 26 games against awfully good competition and yeah. uh, that that's wow that's that's something yeah i mean keep this all in mind all these records and all these numbers that marquise noel had a lot of those games were against what was considered a big 12 conference that was the best conference in the history of college basketball you know some people said that what the oh like the net all that all those rankings and stuff sure. um so there's an argument there. As I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go to bat for Marquis Noel any day. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot would, no doubt about that. You, you'd get some pushback on on Beasley's freshman year, and you know some of those other. I mean, there were a couple of Jacob Pullen years that were special, and you know, many, many, many others. Well, and add on top of that, he's also an All American. Yeah, and I think that's. One of the bigger parts of like, if you're going to retire a jersey or put somebody in the ring of honor at the bill, being an All American is a pretty key part of that criteria. Gene has said that 
there's not necessarily a criteria for basketball. It's just kind of an individual resume will be reviewed at a later point. Um, but, I mean, All-American, all the numbers I just listed, all the records he broke, I think he's got to be very considered. Oh. Very considered for that honor. It's not now, down the road. We got to honor a couple of the other folks first. Sure. He'll right. be there. Wyatt, let's take a break. When we come back, I do want to get more on the back cats. what this sweep of KU means. That's coming up next. As we now transition on Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner and Wyatt Thompson with Travion Berkland running the show. Allows us to get to a couple of Twitter questions from the same gentleman. Uh, Daddy Traub, I'm guessing that's how the name is, like, is like Trout, but Traub with a B, has asked a couple of questions about the Batcats, uh, which give you the questions right now, and that is, is K-State baseball NCAA tournament bound, and how far can the Batcats go in the NCAA tournament if we get in? I think the latter question is a hard one to answer at this point. Um, you know me, I'm a you know, K-State fan through and through, so sky's the limit. Get to the postseason, you never know what happens, especially in a game like baseball. Are the Cats in right now? So with the sweep over Kansas, what that meant was in the RPI, they jumped from 89 to 79. Speaking with Coach Hughes last week, and I agree with him, it's probably a little bit too early to kind of get an idea of like, you know, like where you need to be in the RPI, number of wins, like resume, like where exactly you need to be to for sure be in. Also, you know, K-State's toughest opponents and the most important part of its season is still to be played. They still have three top 25 Big 12 opponents to play three-game series against. So the rest of their Big 12 conference play – is against top 25 opponents. I think it's important that two of those three are at home. Sure. They got UC Irvine, though, to play this weekend, and that's a team that's in the top 50 of the RPI. RPI. I think what I would say is at 79 in the RPI, you're okay, but you probably need to be better if you're really wanting to be a regional team. That's, that's kind of the way to start. From there, what you would probably say is, and you kind of said this, maybe just saying it a little bit differently, they have, I think, pieces to do this and the opportunity with what lies ahead, with Cal Irvine and the three series left in the Big 12. And all of those teams have really pretty salty RPIs. Then you have the Big 12 tournament, if you do well there. I, I think it comes down to, just being honest, they've put their, themselves in a position to be close. Not there yet, but certainly have a real nice opportunity to play their way in, so to speak. How's that? Right. Yeah, I think absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. Right now, K-State is second place in the Big 12 standings. Texas is ahead. Not over, Not everybody has played 
what K-State has played so far, that's 15 games in the conference. Right. There are still some programs that still need to play four series. K-State's down to three, so they'll play UC Irvine this weekend, and then it's three straight weekends of conference play. Um, but it, it's pretty solid that right now you have a second-place spot. You are over halfway through conference play. The teams that are behind you that have played the same amount of games, you know, they, they're a game or two back, a couple of the contenders. Meanwhile, those that haven't played the same amount of games as you have played, well, they're still technically like a few games back. If they win two games and then they, they still not might not be ahead of you, you know, if that makes sense. Sure. So even though you've played more games, you still actually kind of have an advantage over those that haven't played as many conference games as you have you have. I don't think K-State could exactly afford being swept, and I think that's actually a very big key. K-State has swept two teams. They've swept Oklahoma and Kansas. Right. Sorry about that. The other series, they've won one and lost two. Yeah, I I think the thing that probably most people would look at when you look at where they're at today, okay, and so let's look where they are today, where they could get to. Where they are today, you say – Great series win in Kansas. Sweeping that and the way they did it, terrific. We're all thrilled, right? I think everybody would say, absolutely, sign me up for that. <clears throat> but there's also part of you that would say, maybe they are better than we thought, you know, say three weeks ago or four weeks ago. And I think that's true. But what if they would have gotten another game in the Baylor series? And what if they would have gotten that one game against Texas that they they didn't get? You put those two wins on top of what they've done, maybe maybe you don't have to do quite as much moving forward. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, again, with that said, when when you have four series left plus the tournament and and against the four teams they're going to play, um, you've, you've put yourself in a scenario where you have a shot. Now you just got to be, you know, stay healthy, continue to win your share of games. You know, if you can sweep a series or, I mean, do you think it's possible to sweep somebody that of the one of those three conference series? It's yeah, happened. It's happened. K-State. I, I don't know that I'd, I'd bank on it. But, you know, with that said, if you're looking at it glass half full, how many of us thought they were going to go to Lawrence and win three? So you don't know, but they can, they can play their way in. I can't tell you exactly how tough the rest of the non-con is. Um, I can tell you some of the teams that are left, Wichita State, home and home there. Right. Uh, Southeast Missouri State still on the schedule. And let's see, UC Riverside and UC Irvine are the last you know opponents in, in non-conference play. If you can win two or three at UC Irvine, it would be huge. If oh you boy. take care of business the rest of the way in non-conference play, win a couple of series – I think you're absolutely in. Sure. At that point. Well, it also matters. I mean, the the RPI is important, but it's not the only factor. And the fact that right now they sit second in this league, right, is is also, um, I don't know if I'd call it money in the bank, but it feels pretty good. Right. Like, because <laughs> I, 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 this is going to be a five or six team league, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that's what Coach Hughes said. He feels like five teams yeah. will probably get in this yeah. year. Where K-State sits right now in second place is very big. Texas, who is actually ahead of K-State in the standings, has played three less games. So they got to still play another four series, and K-State's down to three. So with K-State 
in that kind of advantage where they've played the, another series and they have one more win than Texas, you know, you kind of hope, can you get a little bit lucky? K-State is absolutely in the hunt for a Big 12 championship. I just want to say that right now. They are absolutely in the hunt. But the toughest part of their schedule is still to be played. This will make or break the Cats. Yeah. Well, you, you want to stay healthy. And we talked earlier in the show, you, you, you're concerned about Culpepper, but you hope he's all good. We'll see. Really fine yeah. player. Okay. If he's I mean, not in the lineup tomorrow, I'm, I'm concerned. Sure. Absolutely. But I, I do think that they have had some things happen here in the last, say, couple of weeks that's very encouraging moving forward, right? I mean, guys starting to – I mean, even even some pitching um, that probably surprised some folks. And that's what you need to get there. You need to have a couple of guys or maybe three or four guys go up and above and beyond what they've done to this point. And, and I think they're, they could do that. Uh, it's not a cinch, certainly. Um, I, I said a moment ago, I, I think they have every opportunity to play their way in. You could also say they have an opportunity <laughs> to play themselves out. Mm-hmm. But I, I much prefer the, the, the first than the second. And I, I, you know what? They're, they're, uh, we'll see. But winning series, you said it, winning series, uh, beating people two out of three at least will, will certainly go a long, long ways of, of, Trying to get them to where they want to go. I just think if if K State can, if they were to sweep or you see Irvine on the road, then you're really talking postseason ball at that point. Because oh, yeah. K State at that point is red hot. Because they have, let's see, right now K State overall has won four in a row. Then if you beat Wichita State, you, you sweep UC Irvine, which will be really really tough to do. But you've won eight in a row. You're the hottest team. You, you might be one of the hottest teams in baseball. Sure. At yep. that point, especially oh, yeah. in the Big Twelve. So, again, long way to go. You still have four weekend series to play, plus, you know, non-con games mixed in there, a couple with Wichita State. Wichita State's about 150, I think, in RPI, so you don't want to lose those games. But KC can really boost its resume with this weekend alone. But you mentioned Kalen Culpepper. Really hope he's okay because he's hitting over 300 and he's been so good at third base this year. He has improved. His bat has improved. He's so reliable. You don't want to have to miss him in the lineup. I got to say, I mean, Roberto Pena at first base has been solid. Plus, his bat has really been great. Well, that's what I'm saying. He, over the last he's, couple of weeks, he's played at a different level. And that's what I was saying, trying to say there a while ago. You've got a, you know, a couple, two or three guys there that, that are playing at a real quality level right now. Can they maintain that? against really quality competition between here and when you go to, to Texas. Brady Day at second. Cash Rugeley in right field. Uh, let's see, who else was I going to mention? Oh, Brennan Jones, a base, base stealer. They're so, I love their aggression on the paths. Walks, they lead the country in walks. I mean, they have so many numbers. I could break down some numbers here for you. Where I mean the pitching staff right now a 4.83 ERA that's that's pretty solid in college baseball that's pretty good <laughs> yeah I mean they they allow the least amount of walks in the conference they strike out the third most batters in Big Twelve play they've allowed the second least amount of home runs and then when it comes to at the plate or on the on the bases most walks in the country they're tenth in the country in stolen bases they've scored the eleventh most runs in the country. And they're 41st in the country in on-base percentage at 406. Yeah, I think they got the pieces to make a run. Yeah. 
Yeah. The numbers tell a good story. Yeah. Again, what do you need? You need consistency. You need good quality starting pitching and bullpen work. You need to be able to have some timely hitting, which they have had here recently, clearly. You know, and knock on wood, stay healthy. Go get them. And it feels like, man, gosh, it's, you know, they've had some pieces in years past, just hasn't clicked. Now it's clicking, just trying to get over that hump of beating some really good opponents. And I think we're now talking about the Backcats more than we have in a decade. Well, I, it's a good point because I think I was going to maybe close with a thought somewhat like this. I don't know if we really knew going into this season what K-State baseball was going to look like this year. Because if you go back to last year, they had a lot of guys drafted that maybe were a little bit unexpected. Lots of new faces, different chemistry, all of those kind of things. And yet here we are right now. This team has done a pretty nice job. Uh, and, and, and obviously they're well coached. I mean, <laughs> they do a really nice job with that. And they've gotten better. That's the thing. It's a long season. You got to fight through ups and downs, like like you know all the cliches. But you can see a progression of, of them getting better through all of this, and that, that's what excites me. I, I I mean, who knows what lies ahead? It it could be with this schedule. It could be a rocky road, but it also is a road of opportunity. Let's see how how they handle it. Yeah, they, I this this season has exceeded my expectations oh. it's been much better than i thought it was going to be because going back to what i said in the first hour because we didn't know yeah griffin hassel yeah. not pitching this year really worried me he was going to be a weekend guy but you bring in a d3 starter who's been nails his yeah i mean my gosh <laughs> yes strikeout thrower i mean he's yeah. yeah he has a couple you know gives up four runs maybe in seven innings six or seven innings you can absolutely survive that especially with the offense k-state has Plus, you know, got a new pitching coach in Rudy Darrow, who has a young staff, a young bullpen. You know, like Mason Buss has looked really good this year. Kyler Haney's looked really good. Not as not a freshman, but still a newcomer for this team. And I, I could shout out a whole bunch of guys. Uh, Hadamon Fajardo, who's going to start Saturday, started Saturday against Kansas, is really improved. Owen Borma is a, is a D three guy, who's now your Friday guy, has earned the trust of the staff. And then going to Austin Waits, the you know the bats coach. I mean, Coach Hughes gave him the right at the beginning of in the fall was like, "Hey, I need more walks." Now they lead the country in walks. Yeah, I want to be more aggressive on the base pass. Eleventh in the in walks in the country. I mean, and there's a number of guys we haven't even talked about. Nick Goodwin. Yeah, and Nick Goodwin. I mean, (laughs) first of all, a guy that's really cleaned up the errors. Oh boy, has been very solid in the field. Yep. By the way, his bat's been pretty good. His bat's been way good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Big and, power guy, and a number Good of guys, hitter. number of guys in the lineup that were backups last year. They, it was just next man up mentality. Rafael Pelletier has been excellent. Also gunning down guys at second base, but done a good job. And I mentioned yeah. Brady Day and, and Cash Rugely earlier. I mean, you're talking about two guys that are in top ten in the Big Twelve in a number of categories with the offense. So, again, I'm very happy where K State could be going right now especially with how well they're playing. I mean, 21-18 <laughs> on Sunday against Kansas, the win was a huge factor there, but they got the sweep. That's what's important. It was a four-hour game, but, man, beating Kansas on the road is a huge deal. No doubt. Huge deal. Big. All right, we're going to wrap up the show, and we come back. A little uh, maybe preview of the upcoming academic year and maybe a question or two for why before we head out. You're listening to Wildcat Insider.
All right, Wyatt, let's squeeze in a couple of questions here. Uh, let's see the name. Is, oh, Catalyst43. For Wyatt, has he witnessed the energy, excitement, and optimistic trajectory of that the athletic department is having right now prior to the 22-23 season? Yeah, I think we Sorry all. Sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. I, I think we all knew going into this sports season that the football team had a chance to be good. I'm not going to say that we all thought it was going to be the championship, uh, the champion of the Big 12, but I think we all thought that they had lots of capabilities. I mean, let's remind everybody at this point, they had six guys, first team preseason, all Big 12. <laughs> now here we are, the excitement of, of, of going into basketball with, with Coach Tang, I think we would have all been happy with an NCAA tournament team. Now we talk we've talked many times about raising the bar. Look where we're at now, you know. Uh so from that perspective, I, I think, yeah, I, I think we all thought that that, you know, if they could be a tournament team on top of what football had the potential to be, it could be a really fun year. And boy, was it ever. Uh meanwhile let's get to this last question here from John Grove. For Wyatt, what was the best basketball and football stadium slash atmosphere you visited the 2022-23 athletic year. Well, you know, I'm going to be a real homer here <laughs> and say Bramlage. Okay, that that's probably cheating a little bit. Uh, I mean, Allen Fieldhouse is always crazy. We all know that. But but I was just so thrilled to see Bramlage back to to being the quote octagon of doom again, and and that was so special. You know, there are a lot of really cool football venues in our league. Um, but, but, I, you know, for, for me personally, um, I guess I would probably say from just this past season, I'd probably say at TCU because K-State had a good record going in there. Frogs had a good record going in there. It was an important game. And that, that place was jumping. It really was. Is it the best venue always? Not necessarily. But for this past season, probably so. And maybe in part I feel that way, too, because, as we all know, we played him again in Dallas, and that was unreal. Wow. My answer, so I don't get to travel a whole lot during football season, but I did go to the Big 12 championship game and the Sugar Bowl. i to say the Sugar Bowl atmosphere was actually pretty solid. Absolutely was. I mean, I might have to give the nod to the Big 12 championship game, uh, but it just felt like... You know, the Sugar Bowl is like, you, you know, know the Alabama fans were into it. I got to say this. You know what was one of the coolest things that happened to me this season among many was the day that we won the championship, flew back, and I got to interview some of the uh, players and Coach Kleiman at halftime of the basketball game with Wichita State. I am telling you, dude, what the crowd when we walked out there, and when I say we, I'm talking about the football program, not me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was out there, but it, it was all about the team. It was electrifying. Just the energy, just, oh, my. I mean, I looked at Coach Kleiman, and he looked at me, and I was like, wow, can you believe this? It was insanely good. I was going to say, my basketball answer might have to be Manhattan Regional Airport. Maybe. After the teams came back from, uh, yeah. you know, the Greensboro for Greensboro, sure. Yeah, yeah, Greensboro. And uh, I have to say, Madison Square Garden. For both the Michigan State and the Florida Atlanta game were oh, incredible. No doubt. Incredible well environments. Yeah. All right, Wyatt. Well, thank you again for another good year of pleasure, uh, for Wildcat Insider. Much. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for the opportunity. For Travion Berkland, Wyatt Thompson, I'm Mitch Fortner. Go Cats.
getting you closer to the locker room than anyone else. This is Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider, an exclusive presentation of the flagship station of the K-State Sports Network. News Radio 1350, KMAN.